0: What is up, guys? My Take Radio episode 330, broadcasting live January 27th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and as always, our call in number 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, I know that we are having an issue with the switchboard, which Slick brought to my attention I am actually going to try and dial it in before we start the show, which I don't like because obviously I do not like playing dial tones, but all right, so much better. Anyway, as I was saying, My Take Radio episode 330, broadcasting live, it feels like it's been forever, January 27th, 2016, our call in number 347-324-3541, again that call in number 347 324 three, five, four, one. If this is the first time you're tuning into my take radio, my take radio is a variety show that airs every Wednesday and Thursday night at 11 PM. Eastern 8 PM. Pacific on Wednesday nights. We cover MMA and wrestling Thursday nights. We cover gaming entertainment, and we sprinkle a little tech in there as well. Uh, We got a lot of housekeeping to get out of the way. Last show we did for you guys was before we closed out 2015. Uh, We were supposed to be back on air. At the beginning of the month, but we are actually, as as pleased as I am to report, broadcasting from a brand new studio space. But with that new studio space uh, come a fair share of challenges. Number one, setting up internet, and right now I am kind of working on a on a rinky dink version of the internet, and that is why we are not streaming video. Uh, we're going to have that rectified this weekend. Uh, brand new studio setup. You guys are going to love some of the stuff that we're doing. Uh, we got a dedicated unboxing area for all our brand new product reviews that we will be doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we got a couple already that are going to be co- going out later on this weekend that you guys will be able to check out. But hopefully once we have everything set up, the intention is for brand new 720p or 1080p video feed and um, a bunch of other cool surprises as well Uh, the brand new space is going to allow us to have some of the mtr staff here in studio to do stuff uh, whether it be uh, as a second microphone or additional production whatever the case may be uh, we are still working on ironing that stuff out and i'm really 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 excited for where we're going with this stuff and um, i'm glad to be back a little, a little rusty, I feel, but we got lots to discuss. We got a, the week in MMA. We're going to talk about, obviously, the Royal Rumble. We're going to get into Raw and a couple of other things. So we're going to definitely have a great show tonight. Also, we are doing two shows this week, but as much as it pains me to admit, next week I have a podcasting conference that I will be attending. It is a two-day conference, and um, there won't be any shows next week. But there won't be live shows, but I will be getting content out there nonetheless. Of course, our friends at Black is the New Black, the regular season sports cast, and the Buried Show have been holding it down in my absence. I did want to take a moment and thank all those guys for their hard work. Uh, Definitely props to Slick for holding it down on the the website side, Uh, getting content out while we were preparing this brand new studio. Uh, Lots, lots of work went into it. Uh, The bulk of it was done during the blizzard that we had here in new york city but um like i said i if i had to give a percentage i say that we are about 85 percent functional in terms of what we need um in terms of connectivity obviously the internet is key but for the most part everything else our cameras are all our computer equipment it's it's definitely ready to rock and roll and on that, you know, I'm I am definitely very happy. Uh, in addition to tonight's show, of course, you will have our gaming and entertainment show tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And there will be new episodes of the regular season sportscast and the Buried Show going up between later today and tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that as well. But with that, that's going to cover most of the housekeeping. I'm sure I had a laundry list of things I wanted to go over with you guys, but. I wanted to jump on air, and of course, it wouldn't be an episode of MTR without its fair share of issues, but let's get into some MMA and get this ball rolling, shall we? (music) All right, so... It, it feels like it's been forever. A lot of crazy stuff happened in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, we have a brand new champion w- uh, in regards to TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz. That fight went down the prior weekend. And I really wanted to be back last week to talk about that fight. And I want to get into it a little bit. Um, first and foremost, both guys are incredibly talented. A lot of work went into that fight from bell to bell. Uh, both guys really had amazing stand up, tremendous conditioning and had just stellar performances, but when you leave it in the judges hands, it can go either way. While I will admit that TJ Dillashaw did land a lot of a lot of good shots throughout that fight, Dominic Cruz had stellar stellar footwork. I mean, that guy's footwork is out of this world. You can't you can't even compare it to any other mixed martial artist because it is so unique. There were instances where it felt like you were watching a Dragon Ball Z fight. As Dominic Cruz slipped out of a lot of trouble from T.J. Dillashaw, a lot of his punches just weren't connecting, and he was just moving. It was almost like he was fighting Neo from the Matrix in 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 a lot of instances. I was thoroughly impressed, and I think that with all the hardships that Dominic Cruz endured, I'm glad to see him back and in in you know in title in title contention, and now as champion. Now, of course, this opens the possibility to another fight between him and Uriah Faber. And of course, Uriah Faber immediately went for the hard sell. And, um, you know, I can't blame him. I think Uriah Faber is doing the right thing. He's not getting any younger. And I think that there's a great story there. There's great booking in terms of just giving people an amazing story. Like I said, Cruz's comeback alone was incredibly, incredibly stellar. Uh, Like I said, from the two injuries to the groin injury, there was so much going on that I really felt that he, you know, the championship win was icing on the cake. Now, of course, there were people that felt that he did not, you know, he didn't do enough to win the fight and, you know, he got lucky. And to those people, I say that, you know, like like I've said before, you do not leave it in the hands of the judges. It is something that you really should not do for the simple fact that it can it can go either way and and in that fight it really was like i watched the fight on two other occasions uh, a couple of days removed from the from the live event and sometimes i'd look at the fight and i'd be like eh, maybe tj dillashaw has a point but then you look at it and you realize that dominic cruz evaded so many strikes and he really just looked like a brand new fighter out there it was like i said incredibly controversial And creates a compelling story, obviously, you know, Uriah Faber and TJ Dillashaw should fight, and the winner should fight Dominic Cruz, but obviously, Uriah Faber's trying to go past that and get right into title contention. I'll be honest in saying that I would have liked to have seen him and TJ Dillashaw square off, I mean, there's a lot of story there, a lot of personal animosity, you know, there's betrayal all kinds of shit, and it, it sounds terrible to say, but, you know, drama sells, it really does, whether people like it or not, drama does indeed sell, and it's one of those things where it, it really makes for a compelling story, and I think that's one of the things that the UFC and MMA in particular need, it needs compelling stories, I mean, for as much as people clown professional wrestling, I feel that mixed martial arts is taking so many elements from professional wrestling to... um to really evolve their product. I mean, you look at guys like Conor McGregor, um, you look at guys like Josh Barnett, who's fighting this weekend and so many others They're they're bringing certain facets of, of professional wrestling to the, the, the big stage in terms of presentation, the way they work, the microphone, the amount of, of trash talking that goes into getting people interested in fights. It's something that is a necessary evil in MMA, especially when i when i've said before the ufc is not going out of their way to create stars um like i like i said in in this case dominic cruz is pretty marketable i don't think he's a guy that's going to be out there in in anaconda loafers like um, Conor connor mcgregor but i do think that he brings something unique to the table so it's going to be an interesting time and it's going to be a division that we definitely will need to keep an eye on also did want to talk about the announcement that happened uh, during that card and picked up steam shortly after It's a brand new season of the ultimate fighter. This is going to be ultimate fighter season 23. Uh, Joanna Jedrzejczyk, I always mess up her name. So JJ for short and Claudia Gade- and Claudia Gadeja will be serving as coaches this season. Now it's an interesting season, not only because both women of course will be fighting and it will be a championship fight, but they will be coaching, uh, women strawweight fighters in their division, female fighters, female strawweights, and they will also be coaching light heavyweight male fighters. So it's going to be a, a crazy dynamic. Like I've said before, uh, the the intergender seasons of The Ultimate Fighter are always interesting because there's so much going on, so many personalities, so much energy in the house, and I think that it culminating in a match for the women's strawweight title is, is a solid way to close out that season. It's something fresh and you know, it's going to go down July 8th. Um, Claudia Gadeja and JJ previously fought at UFC on Fox 13, UFC on Fox 13 in December, 2014 with JJ getting the win via split decision. Now, as I said, it's going to make for an interesting show because you have obviously an intergender season and you're going to have two very, Strong willed female coaches. And, you know, JJ has incredible discipline, a very violent fighter to watch. And the fact that you're going to possibly be training, uh, challengers in your own division is going to make for some interesting storytelling and what I'm sure will be some really, really stellar drama. Again, that season should be going down later on this year with the finale happening July 8th in Vegas. Now the next bit of news. I've always, I've always been in a love-hate relationship with this particular fighter, and um, this fighter had retired, and it was recently announced that he was coming back to active competition. That fighter is BJ Penn, the prodigy. As many of you know, is a guy that is a first-ballot Hall of Famer, a guy who is, uh, you know, he he went in, you know, he went into the Hall of Fame. And it was, it wasn't even something that people just debated. It was something that was a given because this guy had such a stellar career, such an amazing story. But my problem with BJ Penn has, and always will be the fact that during his tenure, before his retirement, he was surrounded by yes men. He, He never was part of a team. He never had an independent coach. It was basically him training with a bunch of guys that he hired. And the problem with that is that even though you pay your coaches and you pay for, for sparring partners or whatever the case may be, there, there, there's a different level of camaraderie and respect there, especially if you're part of a camp that is extremely successful. Uh, case in point, uh, Jackson Winklejohn, which is exactly where BJ Penn is going to train in New Mexico now that he is no longer retired. And the reason I say this is because iron sharpens iron. And if you look at the Jackson Winkle John camp, you have a, a who's who of amazing talent there that even though they're, they're going to work with BJ and they're going to try to make BJ the best fighter he can be, they're also not going to sit there and roll over for the guy because they're there to get the job done. See, I mean, you know, I was talking about this with Jimbo Slice and uh, we were discussing it and he said to me, he's like, yeah, well, you know, if you lived in fucking Hawaii, you'd be you'd be chilling too and the thing is yeah that's great you know it's great that you live in hawaii and that you're practically the fucking mayor there but when your career revolves around being the best that you can be there's only so much there's only so far that natural ability can take you and in this case i i felt that bj penn just got over on incredible incredibly natural ability and the fact that he was leap years ahead of many fighters during his prime. Obviously, as the sport evolved, the, the, those same fighters that watch BJ Penn superseded BJ Penn. But like I said, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with him coming out of retirement, um, training in a camp like Jackson Winklejohn. There's not going to be any hanging out and fucking sipping coconuts. It's going to be hardcore, grueling training. You know, you got, you got dangerous, dangerous fighters there that are going to help you be the best you can be. I really would like to see BJ Penn go out there and have a stellar performance. And who knows, even get himself a title opportunity. And only because it would validate exactly what I've said all along that you need a dedicated coach and a good training camp. You can't have an army of yes men and expect to succeed. It is something that has plagued even the greatest fighters of our generation when they switch from having Really amazing coaches and a really solid team to have in their boys, their buddies, the guys that are their hanger ons be part of their entourage, be part of their training camp. Because what that ends up doing is it sullies the legacy of people that are really, really great talents. So, with that, I'm really looking forward to seeing BJ get in the cage only because I'm curious to see how disciplined he comes in under the tutelage of Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn. So, We'll see what happens once we get an official date and an opponent. Of course, keep it locked here to MTR, and we will have that news for you. Now, the next fight announcement I want to talk about, and this was this one blew my mind, was Vitor Belfort will be battling Jacare Souza in the main event for UFC Fight Night 87. Uh, that's happening May 14th in Brazil. Of course, the main card will be on Fox Sports 1. Now, that's not to say that it's a... It's a fight that I don't want to see. I just feel that, you know, Jacare Souza is on a whole other level. And even though Vitor comes in and he plays the old lion, young lion bullshit and, you know, talks about the the, the power of Jesus and all this shit. I think that Jacare has all the tools in his arsenal in his arsenal, excuse me, to pretty much take apart Vitor Belfort with minimal effort. Now, that's not to say that Vitor doesn't have a puncher's chance, because he does, but this is a fight that I really feel he should not have signed up for. Like I said, that fight is going down uh, May 14th in Brazil, and that's going to be UFC Fight Night 87. Another fight announcement that I was really pumped to hear about was the immortal Matt Brown getting back into the cage squaring off against Damian Maya, He's going to be on that same card of UFC Fight Night 87. And I think that that fight is very, very intriguing for a lot of reasons. Number one, obviously, uh, Damian Maya, an incredible Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, uh, extremely dangerous on the ground, taking on pretty much a maestro of violence in the immortal Matt Brown. I think that this fight is going to be, um, it's going to start off, Semi technical, but if it gets to the ground, I see Damian Maya putting in some serious groundwork. But stand up, Matt Brown is a beast. And I think that even though Damian Maya's hands are pretty solid, I definitely don't see Damian Maya coming away the victor in that fight. But stranger things have happened. Now, a buddy of mine reached out to me asking me about the brand new UFC game from EA Sports. And we were discussing CM Punk's involvement in the game. Um, you'll be pleased to know that EA is going to allow us to get some hands-on time with the UFC beta. I'm trying to see if I can sign up and and they give me permission to stream a couple of fights. Um, I really would like to do that just to give you guys a first a first glance at the game. And um, you know, CM Punk has been very vocal. A lot of people have been saying that he's never going to fight in the UFC. That this is all smoke and mirrors. Even though that right now he has an opponent, uh, pretty much almost on deck with uh, uh, Mickey Gall. Pretty much, if he beats his opponent, then he will fight CM Punk. And while I feel that it's a it's a very very compelling compelling story with regards to Punk, the thing is that people have a have a false notion that CM Punk may go out there and get himself killed. And this is the thing, the guy is doing whatever what any what any mixed martial artist does. He's going in there, he's training, he's training hard, he's trying to be as disciplined as can be. And when the cage door closes, there's really no coaches, no teams, it's just you and your opponent. And I'm sure that a lot of jaded wrestling fans would love to see CM Punk get fucking smashed, but I'd like to see him succeed only because I feel that CM Punk is a guy that if he really is as good, if if he really evolves to be a great fighter or even a good fighter, it's going to do nothing but, but get, give dividends to the sport of mixed martial arts. I mean, a lot of people get angry at stuff like that and they're like, oh, you know, fucking wrestlers coming into MMA and blah, blah, blah. And, And the thing is that, It's like when football players and mixed martial artists become professional wrestlers and wrestling fans get mad about that too. At the end of the day, you know, it's it's not your thing. You know, you don't own the sport. It's not your baby. You know, it's open to everybody. And the fact is that there is a very, very compelling and financially lucrative reason to have CM Punk not only in the UFC, but fighting for them. Like Slick just said in the chat, let the motherfucker live his life. And you know what it is? It the problem is that people they they are, they want to watch, you know. They, they and that's the beauty of it. When CM Punk fights, whatever card he fights on, people are going to be glued to the fucking television. You want to know why? Because he has made himself a very very polarizing figure in the sense that. You know, jaded wrestling fans that are angry at him want to see him get punched in the face. Um, You know, savvy wrestling fans are going to watch with a level of intrigue. And mixed martial artists are just... Mixed martial arts, hardcore mixed martial arts fans are going to want to see a wrestler, a pro wrestler get his face beaten. And again, it's one of those things that you have to watch and let it play out the way it does. Now, he did an interview recently with the UK Sun and he said that he... um he's going to have at least eight fights in the UFC. So for those of you that are thinking that it's going to be a one and done outing for CM Punk, he is definitely here to stay with at least eight fights on deck. Um, Rumors right now are circling that he is going to debut at UFC 99 instead of UFC 200. I have a feeling that that may change, and I say this because UFC 200 is, is, you know, you're looking for for the marquee of marquee events, and there's no better way to have an opener than CM Punk's debut match. You know, you throw in two title fights, one strong contendership fight, maybe CM Punk as the main event in the prelims or the main event on pay-per-view. I mean, the the opener for a pay-per-view, and, you know, I'm sure that he's not going to be a a pay-per-view opener, only because there's going to be so much intrigue, He's probably going to be at least the the third to you know the, it, it, on a five card m- match he may be the third fight on the card before the co-main and the main event only because that's that's how you get people invested and but, you know he he seems he seems very very accepting of the fact that that you know he may go out there and he may lose but he may not. I mean when asked about his doubters in the in the sun interview he said I expect people to be disappointed. I expect all those people to think I'm going to get knocked out in 10 seconds to be disappointed. I expect people to bet against me and lose their money. I expect people to get divorced because they, they upset that they were upset with their wife who wanted me to win and they wanted me to lose. But the people who have stood by me and supported me know it's business as usual. They know what kind of person I am and they know how I am in the gym. And once that cage door shuts, it's between one minute and 15 minutes before the fight ends and my hand is raised. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's it's very compelling any way you slice it. Mortis says they will not put Punk on free TV for his first match, even prelims before a pay-per-view. He will definitely be on the pay-per-view card. You know what the thing is, Mortis, and, and this is something that people don't think about, if Fox... I, I, you know, if Fox decided that they were going to air the prelims and not put them on Fox Sports 1, you would want to have CM Punk on broadcast television. And the reason I'm saying this is because of what happened to the recent UFC card with Cain Velasquez and Verdum, which I'll get into later on in the segment, that, you know, they had to make a completely drastic change due to what happened on the card. Now, again, it's almost a certain, you know, it's pretty much... 90, 99.9% certain that he is fighting on pay-per-view, but you never know. Fox may come in and say, yo, we want a piece of that. Let's put that on Fox, on regular Fox and not on Fox Sports 1 and see if we can get ourselves a nice little pop in the rating. But it, 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 it's all dependent on, on the climate and the business that the UFC wants to do. But, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it, like I said, 99.9% certain that it's going to be a pay-per-view outing for sure. Now, I do want to talk about UFC 197, the Conor McGregor hype train pulled into the station. Of course, Rafael Dos Anjos will be putting his lightweight title on the line against Conor McGregor. Uh, The co-main will be Holly Holm, putting her women's bantamweight title against Misha Tate. Also on that card, Diego Sanchez, Jim Miller, uh, Eric Silva, and Nordin Taleb. And um, Tom Lawler, Corey Anderson, and Darren Elkins and Chaz Skelly are some of the fights that have come together already. Now, here's the thing: and people, they're not really talking about it because the Conor McGregor hype train is just, you know, like I said, just pulled into the station and it's 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 letting out just a bunch of trash talking. But this is, in all actuality, a super fight. It is obviously. The lightweight, the lightweight champion, uh, squaring off against champion of the of the of a lower weight class, and and the thing is that people, they don't they they're they're not talking about it because they're too busy listening to Conor McGregor run his mouth, and that that's a big problem for me. And the reason I say that is because you know it's it this is a historic moment, this is a really really historic moment. I mean you're talking about a guy who. Is your featherweight champion, and by by pretty much the, the the skill on the microphone got himself into a lightweight title fight, and he's gone on as far as saying that he would like to challenge for the title at one seventy. So again, you know it's 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 big talk from McGregor as usual, but people are looking at it like, oh, you know, it's Conor McGregor being Conor McGregor, but this is. A super fight—it's your featherweight champion taking on your lightweight champion, and and, and it doesn't get any bigger than that. And people—they—they're just so hung up on either you know the McGregor mystique and and the trash talking, or just the fact that they want to see him him get punched in the face. And the thing is that even though a Jose Aldo rematch needs to happen and will happen, the fact is that in terms of the bottom line money. People are going to tune into this fight to see if he can make history and be champion in two weight classes. It's something that you cannot ignore because it's fucking crazy. It really is crazy. And for me, as, as a fan, I think that this is one of those fights that whether you hate Conor McGregor or you love Conor McGregor, you have to watch it because there's so many ramifications any way it goes if Do, if Dos Anjos wins, it just shows that the McGregor mystique is exactly that mystique. But if he does defeat Rafael Dos Anjos and becomes lightweight champion and featherweight champion, that's that's a that's a lot of shit talking from the Irishman that we will be hearing for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to be glued to that when it goes down March 5th. I may actually watch that card at home and. Um, You know, we'll see if history can be made. Mortis adds, I haven't seen a UFC pay-per-view in a while, but I'll probably go out to the sports bar to watch the Punk fight. You you can't ignore it, especially for guys like us that are wrestling fans. We just want to see it. I mean, Brock Lesnar, love him or hate him, you either wanted to see him go out there and beat a guy to death or get his ass kicked. And CM Punk, I don't think he's going to draw the way Lesnar did. Stranger things have happened but I do think that he is going to get a very, very interesting crowd to watch this fight. That's for damn sure. All right. So I did want to talk about this weekend's card, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, the The UFC card on Fox, which is UFC on Fox 18 is happening this Saturday. It's going down at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And there was already an injury before the fights went went you know before the fighters even hit the scales, and that is that Andrew Holbrook, who was scheduled to take on Sage Northcutt, is out now. Sage has to take on Ryan Barberena, and um, they're going to be fighting at welterweight. So uh, very very interesting uh, to see that pan out, especially you know the UFC clearly believes in Northcutt. And they're going out of their way to accommodate this kid. I'm curious to see how this fight goes down. It is the opener for the main card. I just want to run through it real quick and uh, throw some fight picks out there. Uh, The prelims are going to be on Fight Pass, and those begin at 3.30. Randy Brown, Matt Dwyer, Tony Martin, and Felipe Oliveri, and Damon Jackson taking on Levon Makashvili. I'm sure I bludge I blundered and bludgeoned that guy's name. But those prelims are going down at three thirty. The uh, the Fox Sports One prelims begin at five p.m. Uh, you got Alex Caceres taking on Masio Fullin. Uh Definitely rooting for Caceres. He always impresses in his fight. Uh, George Sullivan is taking on Alexander Yakovlev. I am um, I've never seen either guy fight, so I'm just gonna throw a blind pick in there. And, um, maybe George Sullivan, maybe. You know what? Let me withdraw that. I'm not even going to give a pick because I've never seen either guy fight. Uh, Dustin Ortiz is taking on Wilson race. Uh, Kevin Casey is taking on Rafael Sapo Natal. Uh, Oliver, uh, Olivier Mercier is taking on Diego Ferreira. Haven't seen any of those guys. Well, I've seen, uh, Rafael Natal fight. He's taking on Kevin Casey and, um, That fight I can give a pick on. I'm definitely going to go with Rafael Natal. He's a a very, very solid fighter. Always entertaining to watch. Um, Kevin Casey, I think I've seen him fight twice. and Not that the guy didn't impress me, but it wasn't memorable enough for me to remember. Um, Sapo definitely goes out there and has exciting fights, so he is going to definitely be my pick. Uh, The main event for the prelims will be Jake Ellenberger taking on Tarek Safadine. It feels like Tarek Safadine hasn't been in the cage in fucking years, and I think he it was because of injuries. Um, I I would have gone Jake Ellenberger if he would have been fighting somebody else, but Tarek Safadine has amazing leg kicks, uh, very, very dangerous fighter, uh, was a, a guy that came out of nowhere in strike force and impressed a lot of people, including yours truly. So, I'm definitely going to give the victory to Tarek Safadine this time around. Uh, the main card will be on Fox at 8 p.m. Uh, like I said, Brian Barberena is taking on Sage Northcutt. Now, it's easy to say that you're gonna just go with Sage Northcutt given how impressive his fights have been. Uh, Brian Barberena is 10 and 3 in, in MMA as a whole. He has a 1 and 1 record in the UFC. Um, you know i'm going to i'm going to still give it i'm going to give the fight to sage northcut and the only reason i'm going to do that is just because he's he's such a he's such a gifted athlete that he has a a, a couple of different ways he can finish a fight and with that i think that it's going to be it's going to be the 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 short notice that's going to hurt his opponent i mean for him he's already prepared to go in there and fight his opponent has to go study tape and and try and find some holes in the guy's game on short notice. So I'm going with Sage on this one only because, like I said, um, you know, taking the fight on short notice is definitely not going to work in his opponent's favor. But stranger things have happened. Uh, Yuri Alcantara is taking on Jimmy Rivera. Uh, Yuri Alcantara never disappoints, so I'm definitely picking him in this fight. Uh, Josh Barnett is taking on Ben Rothwell in the main. As much as people are on the Ben Rothwell hype train just because he's a weirdo and talk shit, can't do it. Going with the War Master, I'm a huge Josh Barnett fan. Been following him since the old days. Watched his catch wrestling matches in Japan. He does commentary on New Japan Pro Wrestling with Moro, who now that Moro is on SmackDown, he's going to have a very, very familiar voice by his side. And we're going to get into that during the wrestling segment. But uh, my pick, definitely the War Master, Josh Barnett. Uh, the main event for the evening, Anthony Rumble Johnson taking on Ryan Bader. Um, big fan of Anthony Johnson, a very athletic, dangerous fighter, incredibly strong, just a, an exciting dude to watch in the cage. And he is definitely my pick for this fight. Definitely keep it locked to our Instagram, uh, Rageworks underscore Rich. And, you know, I throw my fight picks there and I'll share them on our Facebook fan page. And a couple of other places as well. So remember that fight. Go, that entire card goes down this Saturday. Starting at 3.30 with the prelims on Fight Pass. The Fox Sports 1 prelims start at 5. And the main card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. So there you have it. I want to get a little local with this. Um, UFC 198 was penciled in to be emanating from... New York city. Uh, of course, this was very strategic on the UFC's part to try and get a UFC card in and force MMA to not know no longer be illegal in the state of New York. Unfortunately, that was not the case. The federal judge actually shot down Zufa's request for a preliminary injunction, which if the injunction would have been passed, would have allowed them to hold the event at Madison square garden. Now, Obviously, they're continuing to fight to try and get it sanctioned. Um, Chris Weidman's been doing a lot of lobbying. If you follow the UFC on social media, you'll see that Chris Weidman has been upstate lobbying and and really trying to get the sport of mixed martial arts um, a- approved here in New York State so that he can fight in Madison Square Garden and so can many of our other homegrown fighters. Uh, the thing is that, and and this is something that People, people don't like to hear it, but I'll, I'll be honest. MMA hasn't been allowed here in New York because the amount of zeros on the check is not big enough. I'm honest. Politics is a crooked, shady fucking game. And the fact is that you would think that it would be something where it's creating jobs, it's bringing in revenue, it's a no-brainer. But between, obviously, the issues with the Culinary Union, on top of the fact that, like I said, the UFC just hasn't written the right check yet, uh, shows that the, I, I have a, a very strong feeling that MMA will be sanctioned in New York State. It will be, a, it will be something that will happen, um, but it's going to require a lot of zeros, that's for damn sure. Because I think that the number that they're trying to put out there in the pockets that they're greasing just aren't getting enough grease. That's for, that's just how I feel about it. I think that once the right numbers come in, I think we'll be seeing not only MMA at Madison square garden, but at the Barclays and who knows, there'll probably be smaller events held throughout the city as well. As an MMA fan, I am, I'm excited and I hope that it does go down. I really would like to see, you know, whether it be the UFC or Bellator or world series of fighting, or you know glory kickboxing, whatever the case may be and and maybe you know co-promoted card with some kickboxing and MMA. I'd love to see that here. I think that we are, you know New York City is a fight town. Uh, Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, there there isn't a there isn't a combat sports athlete that wouldn't give anything to fight in Madison Square Garden. whether it be a, a, a mixed martial artist or a boxer or even a pro wrestler. Madison Square Garden is a very, very special place. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a New Yorker, but I'm saying that because that's, that's the mecca. Like you can go to a dozen places and watch a dozen events, but when you go to MSG, especially if it's something big, you know that you're seeing something special. And again, it's, it's inevitable that mixed martial arts gets sanctioned here in New York state. It's like I said, it's just a matter of money. Last but not least, UFC 196 has been bitten by the injury bug. First, with Cain Velasquez, dive, uh, you know, taking the dive, so to speak, due to a back injury and having to withdraw from the card, he was replaced by Steep A Miochik. I was actually pretty pumped to hear that Steep A was going to get the title opportunity. Uh, very talented fighter, and I think that he definitely would have given Verdum a problem. But as it turns out, Verduum also withdrew from the from the fight. Due to some nagging foot and back injuries. Now due to this. The entire. You know everybody thought the entire card was going to get scrapped. But that actually is not the case. Instead UFC 196 is moving from a pay-per-view event. To Fox Sports 1. So you're getting a pay-per-view caliber event. On free TV. Due to these injuries. Which again obviously it's going to affect the buy rate. Had they stayed on pay-per-view. But I think this will be a great opportunity to showcase a lot of fighters on free TV. I mean, Johnny Hendricks is is was was slated for the co-main, and he's always exciting to watch. So, with that said, UFC 196 is no longer a pay-per-view event and will be moving to Fox Sports One. Like I said, the main event now will be Johnny Hendricks taking on Stephen Thompson, and that was originally the co-main. Mark this date on your calendar. It will be February 6th in Las Vegas. All right. So that's going to be the last bit of MMA news to wrap up the segment for this week. Um, as always, if you want to talk MMA, make sure to join our Rageworks Facebook group. Or as all you can always reach out on our fan page as well. And if you want to talk MMA, I'm sure that Ben will gladly involve himself in some capacity that's for sure all right let's switch gears and get into this week's wrestling segment there's a lot of stuff to cover and i gotta maybe ask a poll you guys to see if um we're gonna start covering a couple of different things on wrestling going forward let's get to it booker t what time is it we want the gold sucker Hogan, Hogan. we're coming for you nigga All right, so it would only be right to open up with the Royal Rumble, and um, the Royal Rumble is—it's it, one of those pay-per-views that any way it goes, you're you're in you're in for a treat. Whether it's a certain superstar debuting, um, you know, guest appearances, whatever the case may be, like I've always said, the Royal Rumble is always one of the big four, right up there with Survivor Series, Summer Slam, and of course WrestleMania. Uh, the Royal Rumble as a whole before I share my thoughts on some of the matches um the event was okay and it's going back to what I've said on previous episodes it's tough to really be angry about a pay-per-view that you in essence paid 10 dollars for and the reason I say this is because you can we can get angry we we can be annoyed we can be upset as wrestling fans because that's what we do we're overly critical so we're, we're extremely passionate, and it is what it is, but sometimes you just have to find the goodness in it, even if it's minuscule, and understand that you got to watch what, a, what was essentially a $60 pay-per-view or a $70 pay-per-view, depending on your provider, for a, a measly sum of $10, and again, if you're watching NXT and consuming any of the older wrestling programming, it's it's just icing on the cake at that point, and because of that, as I've said in previous episodes, I'm not. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be critical. It's my job. It's what I do. But there are certain things I'm not going to get angry at for the sake of just being angry. And I say this because there's there's there there were some good moments in the Rumble, and there were some shitty ones. I mean, that's that's pretty much the the short version. Now, you know. The, the Fatal 4-Way kickoff had the Dudleys, the Ascension, uh, Darren Young, and Damian Sandow, which I don't understand, and uh, Mark Henry and Jack Swagger together. And, of course, the victors in the match would get an opportunity in the Rumble. Now, the match itself was pretty paint-by-numbers. Uh, it ended with Mark Henry pinning Victor after the 3D from the Dudleys. Um, of course, this allowed Mark Henry and Jack Swagger to be in the Royal Rumble match. Now, for me... You know, I really feel that Damian Sandow is is incredibly underutilized. And Mortis says Damian Sandow and Darren Young did t- did well together though. And they did, but here's the here's the thing. Darren Young is part of the primetime players with Titus O'Neil. And while maybe Titus O'Neil was in the rumble and you were doing it as a way to get Darren Young in there, they are a tag team. And usually when tag teams are in the rumble, both guys are in there. I understand that, you know, Darren Young is not is not the most marketable guy versus Titus O'Neil. He's not the biggest dude or the most jacked dude, but he has incredible personality, solid move set, and he's a good worker. It's just it's just one of those things that I really feel that you start the push, you stop the push, you put them together, you you break them up It's it's one of those things that it's really disjointed. And Mortis says, I think they may be giving Titus a little push, or it seems he may be lobbying for a push at least. Well, let me tell you, he lobbied for a push to break up the primetime players, and we saw how that went. Titus O'Neill pretty much floundered the entire time. Don't misunderstand, I think Titus O'Neill is incredibly talented, does a lot of amazing charity work, is a marketable guy, but... Titus O'Neil, at least for the time being, needs to be a tag team wrestler. That's it. I think that he needs at least a year or two as a tag team wrestler. Give him a couple of title runs. Have him work a couple of different programs. And then start grooming him for that singles push. I mean, we all know that in tag teams, there's always one breakout guy. We, we've we've talked about this for, for as long as, as we've watched pro wrestling. But... In, in terms of Titus O'Neill and Darren Young, they have such a great dynamic together that it's not like Titus O'Neill eclipses Darren Young. It's just he's a bigger guy. You know, he's, he's easily marketable because he's just big and athletic. But the problem is that if you strip all that, the, the, the athleticism and everything else, he's funny, you know, and he's just a solid worker. And that, and that's not, that's not enough nowadays In, in a, in a, in a landscape that has guys like Finn Balor, uh, guys like Hideo Itami, Adrian Neville, again, guys that aren't killing it on the mic, but are getting it done in the ring, you're going to need to have something special to help you stand out. And while Titus O'Neil has all the athleticism, he's just, you know, that's just it. He's just that, you know, he's the athletic, amusing big guy. And there you got to do more than that. You have to do more. Slick says he's been making funny promos with everyone for over a year now. Titus and Stardust were murdering it. Yeah, they were murdering it, but neither guy was gaining anything from it. We it's like it's like being the funniest one in your friends and then going and doing stand up. Just because you're the funniest guy amongst your friends doesn't mean you should be doing stand up. It's it's the same thing. Just because Titus O'Neil is a funny guy and he has good chemistry with everybody, that's not enough, man. There's too many, there are too many good wrestlers on the WWE roster. As much as people don't think it, there are an incredibly huge number of stars that aren't even getting screen time. Think about it. Think about all the work they did to bring up Tyler Breeze. And Tyler Breeze just sits there warming the fucking bench. Think of all the work that went into Neville and they brought Neville up and he was amazing and all this shit. And then. Neville, just just hanging out, you know, in the Martin Luther King Battle Royal. It is what it is. Mortis adds, Titus has been in and out of tag teams for years, and he's great as a tag team guy. He probably just sees himself as just treading water, but he obviously wants to go forward. He's 38, and he wants to fight for that singles career now, at least. This is what it seems to me. You know, you're, you're probably right, and the reason was, you know, Titus O'Neal came into the sport... At, at the behest of, of Dave Batista. And we all know that Dave Batista isn't exactly the youngest fucking guy in the world. And he found an incredible amount of success in a short amount of time. And obviously, there are a lot of factors there. He had the right look. He was there during the right time. He had the right allies, the right friends. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Batista, it was just, you know, he was at the right place at the right time. The thing with Titus is that, You know, you you have him out there, and sure, he can challenge for a belt, but if creative doesn't put something on paper, he's not. There's just nobody's going to talk about him like, oh, we should try and do something with him. Slick adds, Neville is seen every week, so he cannot complain as much. Tyler Breeze is on Raw like every other week. Yeah, that's great. They're on Raw, but Tyler Breeze was a guy who went from challenging for the NXT title to being an afterthought. He went from a guy that was paired with Summer array and, you know, just breaking him up for no reason. Oh, we're just going to go our separate ways. There was no angle. There was no story, nothing. I, and the problem is that with Tyler Breeze, they feel, and, and allegedly it's all Vince. You know, Vince is like, I'm not sold on the kid, which is fucked up because I think Tyler Breeze definitely has all the tools to be the next Shawn Michaels. I, I, I have zero doubt in my mind that Tyler Breeze does not have the skills, the mic work and the look to be this generation Sean Michaels. It's 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 insane that that they're not utilizing him as effective. And Neville, it's the same thing. Neville, you put him out there for the highlight and you know, he does uh, uh, amazing acrobatics, great moves and nothing else. Nothing else. Oh look it's 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 the red arrow finisher, yay! And again, that's not saying that Neville is a bad performer because he's not, but he's just not being leveraged correctly. He's not. A lot of these guys that are coming up, and there are so many of them, they bring them up. The creative is red hot for them, and then they just they're just there. Think about it. You know, if you if you're if you're AJ Styles, you're you're in prime real estate right now. And I'll talk about that later on, but you're in prime real estate, that's all I'm saying anyway, the last man standing match between Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens was without a doubt one of the one of the the best last man standing matches I've seen in quite some time. uh There's a lot that can be said about utilizing the hardcore style effectively, and if you guys know Dean Ambrose his body of work was extremely violent when he was in other promotions so to be able to put together not only a a, a a solid match but a hardcore a hardcore last man standing match that told an incredible story is a testament to itself I think that there was we we were seeing something special play out during this match and I wouldn't I wouldn't you know I'd be wrong to say that this had this won't be the last time we see these guys give us a memorable match and I've said this before every every villain every villain needs a hero to to balance them out and I think for Kevin Owens the balance is Dean Ambrose you know Slick says the last man the last last man standing that was nearly as good was Cena versus Kane uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what man you, you're entitled to your opinion. I, if I had to say a good last man standing match, I would probably say Ryback and John Cena. I think that was the one where John Cena got thrown through the spotlight. Was that a last man standing match or an ambulance match? If I remember correctly, I remember John Cena got thrown through the spotlight or somebody got thrown through a spotlight. It was it was a pretty crazy bump. And um, I think that was definitely one of the cooler ones. That's all I'm saying. Anyway the uh the tag team match with the new day and the Usos was not only just a great tag team match from bell to bell, but it continues to show you how effective the Usos are as the main faces of the tag team division and how incredibly agile gifted and talented the new day are. I mean, you know you look you look at those guys go in there and for big E to catch uh Jay Uso in midair and hit him with the big ending was just, it was stellar. It was it was a stellar, stellar finish, and it just shows you that, again, you know, the right, it's like the Hardys and the Dudleys, you know, the, the New Day and the Usos, they just work so well together that every time you think that we've seen an amazing match, they eclipse it by delivering an even better match. Uh, definitely solid. Uh, the U.S. title match with Del Rio and Kalisto I knew that Del Rio was going to drop the belt. I think because Calisto, they've realized that he is actually a, actually a marketable star, which is what I've said before. You know, you got the Lucha chant, you got the masks, you got all the stuff that little kids love that people can get into. And it's, in, you know, he, he is this generation's Rey Mysterio. I mean, it's very easy to make that, to make that comparison. Cause you know, they're both smaller guys. They're both Mexican. They wear masks, you know, it's it's easy to say that, but just because of the excitement that they bring to the ring, watching Kalisto out there is like watching a prime 1997 Ray Mysterio set the joint on fire during an episode of of you know WCW Nitro. So uh, definitely a solid match. I think that the U.S. title is going to be good for a guy like Kalisto. I'm I I'm really hoping it doesn't lead to the inevitable breakup of the Lucha Dragons cuz I think they work well together and have a stellar dynamic but I am sure that we're going to definitely see something of substance in the future that's for sure. The um the Divas Championship match, I was you know, I thought I thought it was okay. I thought that it told a, a pretty good story. I think that um they're they're overusing Ric Flair. I think there's a lot of stuff that they really shouldn't they shouldn't rely on. I think they're crutching it too much. And um I think it's it's gonna it's gonna hurt Charlotte in the long run because she really is they're literally having her ride her father's coattails to the point where it's it's taking away from her character. And the reason I say this is because when you look at the, the work that she did in NXT just because of who she was and the opponents she had. It just, it just felt that it was a cheap way out to, to, you know, bring Ric Flair into the mix. Slick says that it's hurting her already. He said, uh, they should have had her getting back up from other divas if they wanted to make her act like her dad. You know what? That, that would have been, that would have been a cool way to do it. Like, you know, a little four horseman style stable, but you know, I just feel that Ric Flair coming out there making an ass of himself, um, just it it doesn't really help as much as they think. That's all I'm saying. The match itself was was pretty good. I mean, it's one of the the, the best, the you know, one of the, the most solid diva matches I've seen on the main roster, ma- you know, in quite some time. But that's not saying much. Um, yeah, Ric Flair kissing Becky was without a doubt. One of the ugh, one of the low points. That's for damn sure. Um, as for the rumble itself, uh, the rumble itself was was solid. I mean, obviously, the debut of AJ Styles, uh, the attack on Roman Reigns, um, Brock Lesnar being eliminated, Triple H coming in at number thirty, which I said months ago was going to happen. Um, the thing that got me was well, we used to watch the Royal Rumble. In the the 80s, you know, and 90s, one of the coolest visuals was, you know, 10, 15 superstars in the ring just beating the shit out of each other. And I just felt that the pace was a lot slower. Uh, People were really, really gassed, even though, obviously, you know, there's breaks in between, and I understand that. But I just felt that the pacing felt really slow. I think maybe it's just me, but if you've watched previous Rumbles, you know, you see... 10, 15 people in there fighting at the same time. It looks, it's crazy, but there were just so many lulls. I mean, look at, look at Chris Jericho. The dude was in there, what? 48 minutes. And he spent 20 out of those 48 minutes, like laying in a corner. Um, it was, it just, and, uh, Mortis, Mortis, you're right. Mortis says the time clock was off. It was inconsistent. I agree because sometimes it would be like, oh three, two, one. And, um, you know, the next entrant it's true. There were like 30 seconds. Uh, that's what Slick said. Slick says AJ Styles debut was awful. By the time he got in the fucking ring, there were like 30 seconds left before the next entrant. You know what it was when, um, when the music came on and Roman Reigns is looking at the, at the screen, I was like, yo, whose music is that? I didn't even think that it was somebody new debuting. I was like, yo, whose music is this? And then when he walked out, I was like, oh shit. I legit I legitimately did, you know, like, mark out. I did. And the reason was because AJ Styles is one of those guys. He's been in the business for so long. He's competed in every company. He's wrestled his ass off. He's a great wrestler. And he's made it to the big time. You know, you got AJ Styles. NXT has Austin Aries. All that's left is Christopher Daniels. That's all we need. But, you know, I think Christopher Daniels, if he does, if he were to get into WWE... He would probably be brought in as a coach at this point just because he's, he's a little older. But you never know. I mean, definitely need AJ Styles. And I mean, uh, definitely need Christopher Daniels in there. Imagine Christopher Daniels having a match with Kevin Owens or Samoa Joe. Forget it. Just stellar, stellar stuff. Don Anderson, my buddy from Tumbling with Tumbleweed. He said, I timed them and they were all different by 10 seconds one way than 10 the other. It's true. Definitely agree. Uh, Slick says, I'm not trying to shit on him at all. He was fantastic in the rumble, but for the intro they gave him, they should have had him debut elsewhere. You know what the thing was? And, and this goes back to the inconsistent time clock. Um, you know, I think that the inconsistent time clock hurt him. And if anything, AJ Styles should have been number two. You know, if Roman was number one, AJ should have been number two and give those guys a few minutes before, you know, something came out. You know? Um, Mortis, they also blew the camera angle on that and held it on Roman Reigns for too long. They redid that part on their Facebook to where they showed on Phenomenal. That's when people cheered instead of holding it on Roman's face until AJ was halfway on the stage. You're right, because the, it is true during the live broadcast. I'm like, yo, why is, Ro- why is, why is Roman Reigns just staring blankly into space? And um, yeah, that there was poor camera work and just um, he should have been at least number two if Roman was number one. Don't make him number three and then don't, you know, don't sacrifice Rusev just for shits and giggles. I think having him and and Roman mix it up for, for a couple of minutes would have been good. It would have really got the crowd hype and uh, we could have built off of that. It, it, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I think, like I said, the Rumble was just, it, it had a lot of slow points. I mean, it was cool to see, you know, Sami Zayn come out there because Sami Zayn. And, you know, Brock Lesnar come out there and dump motherfuckers on their head like nothing. And, you know, it was cool to see him and the Wyatt square off, especially him and Braun Strowman. But the Rumble just felt incredibly slow. Um, I really thought it was awesome to see Dean Ambrose in there as the last man standing against Triple H. I think that um, some people say that it was an audible by WWE. Other people said that, you know, that's the way they wanted it to go down. And I, I really have to say that having Ambrose in there was the right move because it really made you think, holy shit, are they uh, is there a chance that they're gonna put the belt on him? Is there a chance? Obviously that you know with Triple H it's it's pretty much a guarantee that Triple H is winning, but it made you think could it happen? Donnie adds Lesnar is terrible at sending at selling anything. You know what was cool him doing that flying knee? Um, Braun Strowman, that was pretty bad. (laughs) That was pretty badass. I gotta admit. Uh, slick ads, as much as I do not like Lesnar, having him eliminated by three men that were already out was garbage. I agree a hundred percent. I did not like that. I felt, you know, they had to throw in there. Oh, there's no DQ. But the thing that annoyed me about that is that if there's no DQ, you know, they could have just attacked him, thrown him back in there and then Bray Wyatt throws him out. It just, it just didn't work. Mortis adds, there weren't as many surprises, but there were more legitimate contenders than most rumbles instead of gimmicks. This is true. Yeah. Lesnar put on his best Sagat impersonation. Well played. I, you know, as a whole, Triple H eliminating Dean Ambrose was interesting. It was good. Um, giving the belt to Triple H was the safe thing to do. Obviously, making Roman Reigns chase is, is their way of trying to get him to be a fan favorite, I don't know if that's going to work, but um, the rumble for what it was, I enjoyed it. It had it. It's had it had its moments where I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy it as much. But again, it was it was solid. It was uh, you know, if I had to score it, you know, out of a ten, I'd give it a seven, only because there were certain things that I um, you know, I kind of just didn't really, I I didn't vibe, I didn't vibe with. It's like you know Sasha Banks coming back that was a, a great surprise i thought it was good but you know i it it got the crowd hype and it really showed that you know Sasha Banks is incredibly popular but where it goes from from there is where things are going to get interesting and i want to talk about that on monday i mean uh, i want to talk about that with regards to monday's raw Only, only because I think I can elaborate on it better. I was, I was, I was happy to see Sasha back. I mean, I'm always happy to see any injured superstar come back because again, you know, you have a a very, very small window when it comes to those careers. You know, you can, you can take one, all it takes is one career, career threatening injury to put you on the shelf, one concussion or one neck injury too many. And you know, a promising career is gone like that, in the blink of an eye, you know, and in the snap of a finger, it's over, but in any case, like I said, I enjoyed the rumble, it was fun, Um, could it have been better, sure, but I've definitely seen worse, slick ads, I felt that Triple H was Mr. Can't Let Go, but it made sense because Triple H warned Roman that he would get him when he least expects it, and it would hurt most, Um, I agree, uh, with regards to the Nikki Bella situation, Slick, I'll get into that later on in the segment, but um, that's definitely something I do want to touch on. Anyway, let's switch gears. Let's jump into the into the the Raw from Monday. Um, you know, the post Rumble Raw was was good. I think Triple H cutting out came out and cut a, a really solid promo, a really good promo. Obviously, uh, new logo, new shirt, uh, some shit talking, but but it was good. It was good. I think that it went on a little longer than it should have. You know, it was I, I I feel like it was at least 15 minutes, maybe a little more. You could have you could have definitely gone a little shorter. Um but it was, you know, it was it was fine, you know. Triple H was, you know, he was doing what he had to do not only as the boss but as champion as well. Um Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens was a match we've seen a dozen times. It's never going to get old. It's never going to get old. But, um, Kevin Owens continues to impress week in and week out. I enjoyed it. Um, the flow rider social outcast segment was, I know they're trying to be funny, but it was, it was so bad. It was so bad. And, and it just shows you how terrible Bo Dallas really is. Like, I don't understand how Bo Dallas was, you know, an NXT champion. And everybody said that he was this amazing competitor. And I just don't see it. Like, even when I watched him in NXT when he was feuding with Neville, I just I just didn't see it. I didn't see what exactly made him so special. Like, it's different when you look at Bray Wyatt. You know, you see Bray Wyatt and you're like, yo, that dude, that dude is the real deal. You look at, at Bo Dallas and it's just like, eh, you know? like Like, you don't really feel that he should even be there, which is fucked up. Because when you're dealing with a with a stable of 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 you know lower card guys and one guy stands out as the guy that really doesn't need to be there, we got a problem. Like honestly, if I was gonna read, if I was gonna do that stable, it would have been um, Damian Sandow, Curtis Axel, Heath Slater, and um, Adam Rose. No Bo Dallas, only because. Sandow and Axel already had a a relationship, and um, Adam Rose is a very underrated performer. And um, like I said, you know Heath Slater's just Heath Slater. The problem is that you know they want they want to get Bo Dallas over, and he's just one of those guys that the the only way you can get him over is by having him get his ass kicked by somebody. Like that's it. Like he's just there's there's nothing about him. That's redeeming, and you know, uh, Slick. If you get a chance, do me a favor, post in the group, and just ask: Does anybody in the group like Bo Dallas? And if so, what do they like about him? I'm curious because, like I said, I've you know I've watched the guy wrestle in NXT. Everybody's like, "Oh, this kid," da da, and then I watch him, and I'm like, "Meh," you know, like I I didn't see the appeal. I don't know if it's the gimmick. I don't know if it's the diaper trunks. I don't know if it's his his shitty Tim Tebow, you know, preachy gimmick. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't. There's nothing about him that makes you want to watch him on television. Nothing. On the contrary, you want him off your television as soon as possible. I just I just don't feel it, man. It's 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 weird. It, and people are like, ah, you know, you need the comedy act. And I'm like, you know who was the comedy act? Santino. Santino was a comedy act, he was funny, he he knew how to work the crowd, he, he had great interactions with everybody, it, Bo Dallas is not that guy, like you would have been better served putting Bo Dallas in the Wyatt family, I'm being 100% honest, I mean he's already got the shitty teeth, all you gotta do is put him in, in, in some fucking overalls, and you know, maybe grease up his hair, or something, put a mask on him, anything, just because he just he's just not effective, not effective at all. Of course, AJ Styles had a match with Chris Jericho, and you know the 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 young kid in me was super excited to watch it pan out. The match was was pretty good. I mean, you know, Chris Jericho is about as good as a, of an opponent as any to give AJ Styles. And the reason I say this is because. AJ Styles came in, hadn't, has, hasn't worked the WWE style ever, and to have him go and do as well as he did in the Rumble and be so crisp and fluid, you knew that his singles match had to be against somebody who can be who can not only work his style, but really help him look good in the process. And Chris Jericho was about as good of an opponent as any. If I would have had to have picked picked another guy to go out there with him, I would have maybe maybe picked Daniel Bryan if he would have been active. And the reason I say this is because AJ Styles is such a versatile wrestler that he he's gonna adapt very quickly. But you still need to pace the matches accordingly. And I think Jericho really did a good job there. Um, you know they they've told a great story. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the roll up finish, but I, I read what goes at what what happens on SmackDown, and I'm sure that if you're an AJ Styles fan, you're going to be equally happy with the result. Um, for me, like I said, I think that you know we're in one of those situations where you're you're watching a guy who should have been there, really mixing it up with some of the best guys that the roster has to offer. I mean, you know, I put up a poll on our Facebook group, like, Hey, who would you like to see uh, AJ Styles feud with? And, uh, you know, everybody, almost everyone felt that Kevin Owens would be the best opponent for AJ Styles. And I agree. I agree 110% because much like AJ, Kevin Owens can do the brawling, the high flying, the technical, he could do it all. And, um, you know, Val, Val says Seth Rollins. I, I'd give anything to see uh, the Phenomenal One and the Architect square off. And I'm sure that when it happens, it's going to be about as exciting as we can all hope. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it, man. I think I think it would be a stellar match. And, um, you know, I think that, that AJ is going to be a guy that he's going to go and he's going to tell really great stories with everybody that's in there. And for those of you that think that, you know, he's too Southern or, you know, he has a little bit of a, of a, of a Hick accent, you know, AJ, AJ doesn't even need to talk. I'm being honest. The guy, the guy's so good. He doesn't need to speak. And, you know, it helps set him apart from some of the other superstars. That's number one. Number two, when you start wrestling down South in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, he's going to be able to connect with those fans. When you're in Orlando where TNA used to be with the Impact Zone, that crowd knows who AJ Styles is. That's why they appreciated it so much when he debuted. Cuz there were probably a lot of impact, you know, Impact Zone veterans watching the rumble. That's all I'm saying. All right, so got to got to talk about Sasha Banks. Um Sasha Banks went out there, had a really good match. With uh, Becky Lynch as as we should expect and um, you know Charlotte came out and and interjected beat up both divas I'm sure this is going to lead to the inevitable triple threat which is fine because I think that all three women work so well together that any combination of them in the ring is going to really really impress but you need to keep Ric Flair the fuck out of there If you want these matches to be smooth and flawless, keep Ric Flair the fuck out of there. Seriously. 100%. Keep him out. Keep him the fuck out. Kane and Bray Wyatt is pretty much crickets. Moving on. um, You know, the entire night they teased a uh, a, a big superstar was returning. And, um, of course, if it's Orlando, Florida... It's almost a certainty that it will be the great one. And it was a um, couple of things. Uh, his, his exchange with the big show was probably one of the best moments. His exchange with Lana, just I, here's the thing. And I know that somebody will probably reach out and they'll say, Oh, you know, riches, is, riches is being a feminist or whatever it is. Here's the thing we live. Why is it that, when you're doing anything with any female performer, with any female wrestler, it's, it's always on the basis that they're a hoe bag or they sleep around or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's, it's, it's very easy to do. But if you guys remember, Lana came in with Rusev and she was a far departure from other managers. She was strong. She was hostile. Um, it just, I just felt that the way that they played that promo didn't, you know, it didn't do her any favors. I mean, a lot of people were saying that, that, you know, that he can't, that she can't, you know, she has heat on her for whatever reason. But I don't know, man. I just felt that the promo just, eh, you know, like she just sat there and smiled and um, exactly, you know, he insinuated that he slept with her and she was like, oh, I'm engaged to Rusev. And you know he's like, yo, your girl is mad flexible, and and I just listen. And this is the, this is the thing, and 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 I'm sure somebody's gonna send me a message, and be like, yo, man, it's not that serious. Here's the thing. You're you're an organization that preaches uh, that that emphasizes strong men and strong women in your product, and for for you to go with the easy crutch. Of the dude sleeping with the chick is just, it's just bullshit. You know, like, like, why, like The Rock could have said a million things to clown her. He could have clowned her about anything. He could have clowned her about her shoes being too big when she walks out or, you know, how much hair extensions you got in your hair, whatever the case may be. But the easy out is, yo, we fucked. Ha, ha, ha. And, and, th- and that's the, her die job. Thank you, Val. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to be an advocate for women's rights or whatever. That's, that's not this. This isn't that type of show you want to watch. You want to hear that shit. You got to watch like Bill Maher or anything else. But I just feel that we're a lot more intelligent as wrestling fans. Stop going with the easy fucking targets. It's ridiculous. And on top of the fact that rock comes out, he cut his promo and don't get me wrong. He had a great, great interaction with the new day. But is it wrong that I felt that it was dated? Like I'm listening to the promo and I'm like, ah, oh, it's funny. You know, it's cool. It's nostalgic, but it really felt dated. You know, llama penis, like, yo, come on, man. I, I got it. 1997 called and they want their promo back. It, it's fine. You know, it was good. The crowd got here's the thing. And this is, this is something that was reinforced Monday night. The Rock was not the best wrestler, but that motherfucker can entertain his ass off because when he came out, when he went three, two, one, and that music drop and that crowd went fucking bananas, WWE has yet to create a new star, and I'm being 100% serious, a new star that can control a crowd like that. The only guy who can get a crowd that invested is Enzo in NXT. You know, I'm, uh, that's that's it. You know the the problem the problem with The Rock is and and I said this you know it, I it felt dated like I'm watching the the jokes and I'm like eh you know like the New Day were funny and they held their own but like I said it's like you, you came out it was Orlando, the crowd was into it, and that was, that was great, but it just, it just didn't feel, it didn't feel the same as it usually does, like, usually when The Rock comes out, you say to yourself, yo, this shit was amazing, I laughed my ass off, I watched it, and I'm like, yo, this shit is five minutes longer than it should be, like, that was my, that was my whole thing, like, I was like, yo, are you done? Like, him saying hello to everybody backstage, like I said, the shit with him and the Big Show, I, I enjoyed. I thought it was good. It, it actually gave the Big Show something to do. The thing with Lana, you know, I wasn't, I personally felt it was it was a waste. And his, his stuff with the New Day was good, but the problem was that the New Day were just better on the microphone. The New Day are just a better, uh, you know, better performers because they are performers for this generation. You, you, like, you know, in terms of entertainment, being a showman, you know, it was it was the rock coming out and doing the same shtick he's done since 1998. And the problem is that I had a lot of people say to me, yeah, man, but that shit works. It works on the people that are that are, you know not real wrestling fans. The casual fan is going to be like, oh, cool, it's The Rock. I haven't seen that motherfucker in like 10 years. But if you've watched the shit like I do, or like any of the other guys in the chat room or any other people, you're going to be like, all right, man, you know, give us something different. Just because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get eyebrow raise, finally, uh, Rudy Poo Candy ass, shut your mouth, et cetera. You know, you're going to like you can pretty much cut a rock promo in your sleep. And it's going to be exactly what I just said. I can call Slick on the phone and tell him to cut a rock promo. And he could probably cut the same promo from memory just because it's the same fucking promo. You know, llama penis, uh, you know, fruit booty, whatever the case may be. Whatever, Whatever 1990s catchphrase that he thinks that he can put together and make it sound cool, that's fine. But here's the thing, in terms of entertainment, in terms of getting the crowd invested, WWE has no one that can get them invested. And when I mean invested, I don't mean John Cena cheers and boos, I mean an entire building erupting out of their fucking seats. WWE does not have that, and that, my friends, is the real problem. You can have a dozen five-star wrestling matches, and I'm always going to appreciate them. But in terms of entertainment, it's just not there. It's not. Like Kevin Owens, great wrestler, stellar on the mic, fun to watch, but not a guy that's going to get the building going insane. Not the guy. Finn Balor, awesome. People love the gimmick. People, you know, like watching him paint themselves up. It's great. But not a guy that's gonna get people going completely batshit crazy. Not yet. And that's that's something that I'm sure a superstar is gonna develop over time, but nobody has that presence. And that's the problem. That's why WWE goes back to these guys. Uh, you know, a friend of mine he texted me. He was like, "Yo, man, again with the fucking old timers." And it's like because the old timers make people fucking tune in. Raw had a high rating for Monday night. It was really high. And sure, you could say, "Ah, it was because it was a raw after the rumble, or there was no Monday night game, whatever the case may be." But they're gonna people. The, the average person is gonna look at it and be like, "Oh, well, The Rock was on. That's why the rating was high." This is the type of shit I'm talking about. You can always say, Oh, I like to watch this wrestler, or I like to watch this wrestler, or this wrestler's awesome, or this wrestler's entertaining. But The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels to a point, those guys, they knew how to entertain. You know, go into WCW, Eddie Guerrero, um, Scott Steiner, Booker T, Jeff Jarrett, um, whether you love them or you hated them. They knew how to entertain. Slick says the reality era needs to be more real and less PC. These guys need to talk in the ring the way they would talk normally. And eventually they will be a new rock, a new Austin and a new Y2J. I agree 100% when Roman Reigns is out there cutting a a thuggish promo. When he's talking hood, you know that Roman, that's the real Roman Reigns. Whenever he's kind of doing like the like the street mannerisms with Dean Ambrose off to the side, that's the real Roman Reigns. Like the Usos. The Usos are being themselves. That's why the Usos are over. The New Day are being themselves to a point, obviously, but they're nerds, they like to have a good time, they like pop culture, they have, you know, they're 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 you know, young younger guys that know all that shit and they know how to be themselves and make it look real. But when motherfuckers are coming out there cutting promos, like if they're reading them off the back of a fucking bazooka rapper, you know that they need fucking help. Period. Jimbo Slice says, It was like sinking my teeth into a McDonald's hamburger in reference to The Rock. And it's true, it's, it's just like, eh, you know, it's it's comfort food, but it's not good for you. And it's true like yeah the rock it's, it's great to see him and it's great to have the fucking guy come out there and entertain but it's not good it's not you know simple as that anyway so you know it, it was everybody's like yeah man the rock fucking eh, it was it was all right like i said i um i th- i think that in terms of how the night progressed it was good to see him, you know, it was good to see the rock, I'm like, oh man, it's cool, he was there, whatever, did, did we need it necessarily, eh, you know, it was, eh, like, like, like I saw and I was like, I wasn't blown away, so I was like, ah, you know, it was cool, whatever, but then when I thought about it, I'm like, eh, you know, the Lana thing kinda, kinda fucked up, um, you know, the, 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 the dated fucking promos, eh, eh, what can you do? And 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 Slick just said it. It's not good. It's not good because he will not be there next week. And it's true. That's that's part of the problem. Like next week, when there's no Rock, there's no you know whatever. Maybe Brock Lesnar will be there. Maybe not. But what what do you expect? It's it's not. You have to try and push these guys to be more natural, to be themselves. You know. That's that that's that's how it was. You know. But now. Not so much. Uh, The Divas had a a tag team match. Paige and Natalia don't hate each other anymore. Taking on Brie and Alicia Fox. This was your obligatory uh, total Divas match. And um, you know, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan that they continue to use total Divas as a tool to get wrestling over. I think that they should be acknowledged separately. You know, you have to you have to acknowledge. Total divas should be its own universe. Everything that happens in total divas is for total divas. Like it shouldn't go back into raw or be referenced in raw. Like it's part of the fucking story. It's like, Hey, this is a reality program about the wrestlers real lives. But instead it's like, yeah, you know, on total divas last week, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, come on, man. Like leave that shit on the e-channel. Trust me. People watch the shit. They don't need you to fucking endorse anything. Hey, this match is happening because of this that happened on Total Divas. No one gives a fuck. No one cares. Hate to tell you. Anyway, Kalisto and The Miz was exactly what you would expect. Kalisto pretty much being Rey Mysterio and The Miz being The Miz. Um, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns took on Rusev and Sheamus in in what was pretty much a pretty solid match, but a match that we've seen about 60 different times in 60 different varieties. It was what it was. I think that the end result was, you know, the powerbomb on Rusev through the announce table was fine. But again, something we, we've we already seen. And um, closing it out, of course, Stephanie McMahon making the announcement that for Fastlane, uh, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose would square off in a triple threat match, of course, with the winner. Um <laughs> meeting uh meeting Triple H at Wrestlemania. <laughs> oh shit. Uh the communicate I just got from Jimbo Slice is priceless. Can't acknowledge it, but priceless nonetheless. Um <laughs> Slick, do you think they are working towards the final split in the shield? You know what's funny? And and this is what what I don't what I didn't like. It, why can't Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose have their match and still be friends? Like, that's the thing. Like, like it's so easy to put these guys in a match and then build up and then destroy the friendship and, and, and you don't need to do all that because it's such a cliched thing to do. It's like, why can't we be competitive, compete against each other, and still be friendly? Like, that's the thing. That's such an easy crutch to go with. It's like, yo, yeah, you guys are in a triple threat match, and we're going to do everything in our power to make you guys fucking hate each other just in time for the pay-per-view. And then you guys can feud after the fact. It's like, there's no need for that. Like, you could leave those guys, have their match, let them still be friends, and then one day, one of them just turns on the other out of nowhere. You know? Seriously. They don't need to do that. Jimbo Slice says, in regards to Total Divas, it makes no sense that they use the show to catapult the Divas division, but it's taped like six months in advance. Thank you. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If you taped the show like a year ago, why the fuck do you need to put matches on TV to make you watch a show that was taped months ago? Who gives a shit? Let them bitches do what they got to do on on the E! channel. They can be that on the E-Channel. Let them be divas in the ring. Let them be, you know, high-maintenance broads on the E-Channel. Get the fuck out of here. 100% right. Uh, Slick. Then again, Dean has the least to lose. He will have a belt at the end of that match, probably. This is true. Uh, Mortis adds they had a match for the title belt once. It was that one tournament a few months ago. They did, and you know what the best part was? Mortis, that they had that match, and they were still boys afterwards, you know, that, like, they they did that, and that was good, because it's like, the story just kept moving, and that's what you want, the story to keep moving, but, um, overall, Raw was passable, I don't think it was as great as people wanted to make it out to be. I think that people just want Raw to be good when The Rock is there, and it's not a guarantee every time. It was it was passable, you know? It was a, a post-pay-per-view Raw, and it served its purpose. Simple as that. Anyway, I want to shift gears a little bit and get into the wrestling news of the week. Um, I did want to mention before I move into that, though, that now that Lucha Underground... Um, NXT and Impact are on you know earlier before we go on air. Do you guys want me to cover those shows for during the live MTR broadcast or would you rather just, you know, I acknowledge them in passing? Because I was thinking about it. I'm like, if we talk about Raw, a pay per view, NXT, Lucha Underground, and Impact, that's gonna that's gonna be an entire that that in and of itself is ninety minutes. So I wanted to run that by you guys. Um, definitely feel free to let me know your thoughts, whether via chat or elsewhere. Mortis says covering Lucha Underground at NXT would be cool. All right. I mean, I don't want to do a, a big breakdown. Like, I've been trying to scale back the match by match recaps. Like, you know, it's easy to just share opinions on it and move on versus, you know, the old match by match break it down. I don't, I want to try and give you guys a little bit of each, um, a little bit of each promotion without you know fucking doing a detailed analysis. Like what we're doing now is fine because we're acknowledging high points, low points, what we liked or disliked. But I don't want to. I don't want to get into the the match by match because you guys have seen the shit already, so it doesn't make any sense. But um, you know, Mortis Luch Underground at NXT. I'll, I'll try and and find a way to make it that it's manageable without dragging the segment into the two hour territory. But. um You know, I'm happy to hear that you guys want to hear about that stuff. So, uh, you know. (laughs) Ah, Slick, you are an idiot. That is all. Anyway, so let's get into some of the wrestling news of the week because there's some crazy stuff going on. Uh, The first one is uh, Josh Breedle, who many of you know was the winner of Tough Enough. He had the really shitty Yeti gimmick. Um, you know, he, he put out a tweet calling the show, the social outcasts, social jobbers. And needless to say, Kevin Owens, Stardust and many other wrestlers took him to task because the motherfucker has been there five minutes is not even over. And he's calling people jobbers. It's, uh, needless to say, he was in hot water and it pretty much escalated over the last week. Um, he kind of put out a half-hearted apology, you know, it was like sorry not sorry on Twitter. And um eh, you know, that guy that guy's probably gonna be in the shit house for the foreseeable future. So his fate his fate is pretty much sealed. Uh Mortis, you can just let us know if TNA is still on the air or not, then move on. I don't even get pop TV. Val adds TNA is dead. Uh Mortis, I wonder what T V station that no one has heard of they'll go to next year. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. here here's the thing tna is rebuilding they really are and um they got some pretty decent performers uh you know ec3 is still solid i'm not a fan of matt hardy being champion because he is um you know jeff hardy's still there he actually re-signed with tna because you know tna <laughs> and um yeah it is what it is um it's it's crazy. But but yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is gonna take over TNA when he breaks over his dad's piggy bank, Val. <laughs> That's what he's gonna do. Dad, I think I got enough money. Here, son, break open this piggy bank. He'll buy TNA for a six pack of beer that James that, that James Storm drinks and a two dollar bill. That's what he'll get with TNA. Anyway. So as I mentioned earlier. You know, Josh Barnett was doing commentary for New Japan Pro Wrestling with Mauro Ranallo. Now, as many of you know, Mauro Ranallo now is the voice of SmackDown, and he is tremendous. Uh, he's definitely going to put Michael Cole out of a fucking job, because Michael Cole is a two-bit hack. But um, aside from that, obviously, Josh Barnett is going to need someone to do the English broadcast of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, it turns out that Access TV found him the perfect color commentator and that is no one no one other than our very own jim ross uh jim ross now will be calling matches with um josh barnett for the new japan broadcast going forward so kevin kelly is going to do the english language new japan events on newjapanworld.com but the english commentary for new japan pro wrestling on access tv is going to be done by jim ross and josh barnett my God, my God, Shinsuke Nakamura broke him in half. <laughs> my God, Kang, what am I going to do? I think he's dead. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Japanese fans are going to be like, oh, this uh naka. <laughs> You know what the, well, here's the thing. Nakamura is going to NXT, but the the stuff that New Japan airs on Access is stuff that's been taped. It's old shit. Like, they gave a match three months ago that had Prince Devitt, which many of you know as Finn Balor. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, like they're giving that match, like, it's, like, it's some new shit. Obviously, they're telling you, hey, you know, this match is from whatever, 2012 or, you know, 2013, and then what ends up happening is they take that old match, they give it on Access TV, and then Morrow and Josh Barnett would do the commentary over it, so Jim Ross may still say that about Nakamura because they'll still be able to show older Nakamura matches like they did with, um, you know, AJ Styles' Bullet Club debut, uh, Jeff Jarrett when he was with the Bullet Club in the multi-man tag match, etc., etc., definitely can still happen, dude, that's for sure, but um Val says Jim Ross one of the best to ever do it. I agree man Jim Ross I mean you know it's easy to make fun of him, but Jim Ross was was you know the guy's not dead uh you know he's uh he's probably one of the best color guys in the game. I mean if I had to do a broadcast team using people that are active right now, it would probably be Morrow, Jim Ross and uh By you know Byron Saxton as much as people clown Byron Saxton, the guy, the guy is a good, you know, straight man. He, you know, if you're going to have like the over the top color guy and the play by play guy, you need the one straight man to balance things out. Like on raw, Byron Saxton is, is a good straight man. He balances out JBL's fucking craziness. And, um, you know, Michael Cole is fucking Michael Cole. JBL is, you know, like Booker T is pretty good on color. But he has good chemistry with Morrow. Like Booker T, Morrow, and, and, you know, uh, what's his face? And Jerry Lawler, that's fine. Or if I had to do JBL, Moro Ronaldo, and, and Jerry Lawler, I could work with that. But the thing is, it's like, like Michael Cole, that's watching Moro Ronaldo call the, the, the SmackDown matches the last couple of weeks. I said to myself, Michael Cole is in serious fucking trouble. That's all I said to myself. I'm like, Michael Cole's in deep shit. Because Mauro Ronaldo knows his shit, is calling the match well, and he's still able to have the banter to make it not look shitty. Mortis says, uh, Corey Graves and Renee Young are going to be around for a while. You know, I like I like Corey Graves. I think Corey Graves is, is pretty good. I think that his over that his heel commentary is. Is a little too much sometimes. I think it's a little too over the top. I personally am not a fan of the way he used to be because it always felt like he was genuinely beefing with like Byron's, you know, with like Byron Sachs. he would be like, yo, man, shut up. And I'm like, damn, dude, it comes like, I understand you're putting emotion behind it, but it just felt, it felt more vicious than it should have been. I think if you saw NXT recently, you'll notice that when he was out there with the other guy, he's like, oh man, you know, that's pretty cool that you said that. And he's like, and the guy was like, you know, that's not usually what you say. And he's like, hey, you know, it's a new year. So I think they're kind of trying to have Corey Graves scale it back a bit. And, um, you know, I Slick says Renee Young can commentate circles around Michael Cole. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Anyway, so Jim Ross, like I said, doing a deal to do color commentary for New Japan matches on Access TV. If you have Matt... If you have access TV, definitely keep an eye on that. Um, Freddie Prince, I want to talk about an interview recently that Freddie Prince Jr. did with Talk Is Jericho. And um, it's it's crazy because Freddie Prince Jr. used to be a writer for WWE. And, you know, he kind of went under the radar, but he was all right. He had a good time. It was a good experience. And he shared some very, very interesting tidbits um, with regards to just the business, uh, he actually referenced CM Punk and I want to talk about that. Um, you know, when he was asked about CM Punk, he said, CM Punk never needed my help. Like he knows how to act. He knows how to write. So I never had an opportunity to work with him, but he was not high in the pecking order when I was there. And Vince McMahon, but and he, he said, Vince McMahon even showed him respect. We were in a room one time and I was pitching something that was shot down and I wasn't taking no for an answer because it was a good story for CM Punk. And Vince said right to my face, look, he may be able to legit kick the crap out of everybody here, but I'm not but I'm just not buying it. And when he finally did buy it and I was no longer with the company, I got to see CM Punk cut the sort of promo that you would expect. Of course he was talking about the the, the uh the pipe bomb promo and um Freddie Prince Jr. said that it was an awesome moment and a revolutionary moment in pro wrestling. Uh, you know, it's cool to hear stuff like that, like backstage stuff like that, because it, you really, you really wonder what type of a culture it is. You know, when you have to pitch ideas and Vince McMahon goes, yo, this idea fucking sucks, etc., cetera, et cetera. You know, that was very cool. He also said that Vince McMahon is reluctant to put the title on smaller wrestlers, which we've talked about before, but it's interesting to see a guy like Freddie Prince Jr. who worked with the company actually acknowledge that he said a lot of times the writers come up with great stories and talent on and the talents are on board and they don't think it sucks and they can contribute and it inspires more ideas and then the knee gets blown and your story sucks and that's just the cold hard facts and that's why Vince doesn't always like to give the title to a smaller guy because he thinks they're gonna get hurt more and that damages the company it frustrates a lot of fans because some of their guys are the smaller guys but unless you're built a different way, you can't take that many hits. A lot of the guys can't function injured, and I hate seeing guys get hurt. I hated seeing Seth Rollins get hurt. I hated seeing Daniel Bryan get hurt. I um, I, I I disagree. And the reason I say this is because a lot of the big meathead mass monster guys that that wrestled, I remember Batista, before he debuted, tore his tricep twice. On two, first he, he tore it, then he healed up and he was getting ready to debut and then he tore it again and then he healed up and he, and he debuted. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's a question of durability. If you're on the road 300 days a year, you're going to get fucked up, plain and simple. There's no, there's no way around it. You're going to get hurt. And that's the thing that bothers me. You know, it's like, oh, you know, the, this guy, you know, the little guys get hurt faster than the big guys. It's not a question of being big or being little or being jacked or being skinny. You get hurt. You're on the road 300 days a year. You are getting hurt. Case in point, Nikki Bella. We don't, we don't love Nikki Bella. We don't think Nikki Bella is the best wrestler, but she had to go. For, she went in recently for neck surgery. Her career may be over. Just like that. Blink of an eye. Gone. And that's what I'm saying, she's not super old, it wasn't like she worked a high-risk wrestling style, she worked a pretty safe, pretty solid wrestling style, and she's on the verge of possibly being unable to wrestle, ever. And that's the shit I'm talking about, you know, and she's not jacked or whatever, she's yeah, you know, she got fucking, you know, plastic boobs, but aside from that, she's just a regular chick, and she got a neck injury. Her career may be over. And that's what I'm saying. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a big wrestler or a small wrestler or it it happens. You're going to get hurt. You know, you know, that's that's just how it is. And, And the thing that bothers me about it is the fact that that, you know, Vince McMahon uses this old school thinking. And I understand, you know, that's just the way Vince is. And you you can't do that. You can't like Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins hurt his knee in, in, and it was just totally out of nowhere. Seth Rollins works fairly safe, but you know, it was just, it happened, you know, you, you know, let me tell you something. I go, you know, I go to the gym three to four times a week and I've hurt myself more outside of the gym than in the gym. I, I remember I, you know, I got a partial tear in my rotator cuff, not because of, of training in, in, in the gym, but because I was throwing out a box, there was a a weight inside that shifted and my shoulder went back further than it should have. And I got a, uh, you know, I got micro tears in my rotator cuff again, nothing gym related, but I can tell you that as I healed up from that injury, a lot of the shit I used to do in the gym with no issues, I was pretty much forbidden from ever doing, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like it doesn't matter, man. You can, you you know, you could be the healthiest guy in the world and still get fucking cancer. You know, like that's just that's just how shit is. So to assume that oh, you know, the big guys aren't going to get hurt as much as the little guys is fucking stupid. It's short sighted and it's dumb. I'm I'm serious. Like Daniel Bryan, he got concussions. You get concussions. You're fucking being dropped on your head a hundred times, uh, uh, you know, a hundred times a month or more. You don't think you're gonna get fucking concussions? Of course you are. Be a break. It's insane. But it was, you know, it was cool to see, um, you know, to get some insight into that. If if you want to check out the interview, obviously go on iTunes, look for Talk Is Jericho. And you can find the, uh, the Freddie Prinze Jr. interview. It's, it's definitely a really good listen. I recommend you check it out if you haven't. It's really, really good. Uh, Val, especially when you have big guys like Brock who just throw motherfuckers and don't think about who he hurts. You know what it is? I think Brock Lesnar gets so wrapped up in being out there that the guy doesn't know his own strength. It, it, you know, that, and that's another thing too. That's how guys get hurt. You know, Brock Lesnar fucking German suplexing you over the head. You, know, you you may get fucked up. <laughs> That's just the way it is. You may get hurt. But, you know, some people, some people just, they want to use all these crutches. I mean, I'm not shocked that Vince would say something like that because, you know, it's fucking Vince. But, again, that, that one thing has no bearing on the other. Simple as that. Anyway, there were some rumors floating around about potential inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, the names that have been floating around are rumors, you know, they're just rumors, but uh, definitely an interesting list for sure. Uh, JBL, which some people have been saying is 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 going to get inducted because they already inducted Ron Simmons. Um, they were saying Miss Jacqueline, who I think would be would be a cool uh, divas induction to have. I mean, Miss Jacqueline had, a, you know, a lot of great matches during the Attitude Era. And, um, you know, she's a Dallas native, which is cool. Uh, not sure if it, again, these are all rumored inductees. So don't, don't take them as, as gospel just yet. Uh, the fabulous free birds, which they've been talking about for years. Uh, there's always a possibility. Uh, Charles Wright, who many of you know as the Godfather or Papa Shango. Um, you know, he had the intercontinental and tag team titles during his run, obviously super over, um, not sure if, if if that's true, but it would be interesting to see the Godfather go in there uh, for the celebrity wing. Uh, they're looking at Regis Philbin. Not sure again if that's going to be hundred percent confirmed, um, but you know Regis has been involved in with WWE on numerous occasions, so I would not be shocked. Again, these are all rumors that have been floating around, so take them with a grain of salt. Um, as we get the real inductees, so far we only know Sting. Uh, we will definitely share it with you guys. <laughs> Mortis says David Arquette should go, and he should have at least been a Royal Rumble participant. Dude, imagine, imagine if all of a sudden just David Arquette comes running out during a Rumble entrance. Oh my god, it would be, it would be so insane and so silly. And imagine if he just like hit under the ring and lasted to like number 29 and then got eliminated. People would lose their fucking minds. They really would. So, I, I, it, it's not often I get to give you guys a what the fuck wrestling story, but I got a doozy for you guys this week. If you were a wrestling fan during the attitude era or even the late night, the early 90s, I'm sure you know Sonny. From the Body Donnas. She was also wife and manager. Of the late Chris Candido. Uh, also WWE Hall of Famer. Well. As much as that's been. An impressive resume. You can now add. Adult film star. Tammy Lynn Sitch. Who many of you know as Sunny. Signed a deal with Vivid Entertainment. To do a porn film. And has already shot the video. It is titled Sunny Side Up. In through the back door. <laughs> um, the initial deal that she was offered was $100,000, but allegedly the company uh, came back with a much higher offer after she refused. Um, she has officially taken her uh, WWE Hall of Fame ring off of eBay or wherever the fuck she had it. Um, yeah. So, if... If, if China's not going into the Hall of Fame because of her adult film career, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Sonny quietly gets removed from the Hall of Fame for that as well. Only because that's that's not something you necessarily want to be associated with, but stranger things have happened. In any case, uh, if, you're, if you're into that sort of thing or you want to check it out, I'm, I'm sure you can find it in all the right places when it hits the stores. Or, well let me re hits the stores when it hits the internet <laughs> i don't think i don't think i've seen a porn store i am i'm 35 i think the last porn store i saw i was probably 22 21 and it was funny because yes jamaica avenue thank you slick uh, there was one on jamaica avenue and 214th street and it was funny because you'd walk in and um, the, they used to sell anime, hentai, um, a lot of kung fu movies. I remember I bought Hell's Wind Staff and the Kid with the Golden Arms there for five bucks each. And then I remember that the Indian guy that ran the place he had a uh, he had the saloon doors. Uh, the, and I remember I walked in to pay for a for a video for a VHS, and I'm looking for the guy, and you see the saloon doors, and you see just two feet. Under the door. And I'm like alright. There's nobody here. It's probably him. So I open the saloon door. And he is putting. USB. Vaginas. In a box. On a shelf. So you you basically got. A box. You know. Uh, I, I think it was Kobe Tai. Or Asia Carrera. It was one of them. Anyway. And, and it was funny. Because the box had like a real. Like a big yellow sticker on the front. And that says, feels like the real thing, I kid you not, and, um, yeah, it was like, it said, USB, plug it plug into your USB port, I, I I had no words, like, he's putting them on the shelf, he's like, what do you need, my friend, and I'm like, yo, I just want to pay for these tapes, and <laughs> he, he goes, hold on a second, and he's like, putting all these boxes of box, that's pretty much it, just boxes of box on the shelves, and I'm like... Holy shit! So he can't. He comes out. I pay him for the tapes, and I go, "Yo, man." I'm like, "People buy this?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, this is real popular. You know, we said they're they're 79.99, and um, you know, we 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 sold out of them when we got them two weeks ago. So somewhere out there is a dude that is genuinely buying a USB, fleshlight, basically, and plugging it into his computer and go into town i i had no words but <laughs> but that's what i mean like the last time i saw that was in 2002 at least in my neighborhood i'm i'm sure there's 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 places that uh you know that have them anyway you know that's just that's just the culture i mean if you still go into into manhattan into times square there's still a couple of of cd jack shacks um floating around between you know Ripley's believe it or not and and time scare in the movie theater there's still a couple of seedy places right next to the dollar slice pizza store but uh anyway <laughs> I digress anyway so yeah uh Sonny Sonny is now doing adult films feel free to look for that if you so choose uh, of course as I mentioned earlier in the segment Austin Aries has officially signed an NXT contract. He debuted on a recently taped episode of NXT, which you will be seeing, I believe, in late February or early March. Uh, very excited to see uh, the greatest man that ever lived uh, competing with the NXT superstars. I'm sure that the inevitable collision course with guys like Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe are going to give us some stellar matches. So, uh, very pumped for that. Like I said, all we need is Christopher Daniels and, um, you know... It's it's uh you know it is what it is. We'll see we'll see if uh, Christopher Daniels is the next guy to get the uh the old NXT signing. Um of course NXT signed Austin Aries and TNA announced that they have signed the Wolves Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards to a brand new contract. Of course this is part of TNA's initiative to lock up some of their really popular talents. Uh they re-signed Jeff Hardy, they re-signed the Wolves. Uh, you know, they're, they're really trying to lock those guys down because obviously those are some of the best guys they got. And it's crazy when I have to say that Jeff Hardy is one of the best guys they got on the roster. Val says Chris Daniels is too old for NXT, dude. Excuse me. Christopher Daniels can probably wrestle out-wrestle half of that NXT roster with his eyes closed and one hand tied behind his back. You know I'm right. Anyway. As I mentioned earlier, Nikki Bella did mention on uh, in an interview with E! Online that she is, you know, she did get the neck surgery. She's going to be getting the neck fusion, uh, the neck fusion surgery. She had a uh, herniated disc and uh, she also has uh, a portion of the disc uh, sticking out behind her vertebrae. And they're going to have to get that back in with a bone fusion, which is again, you know, the neck fusion surgery is usually career ending. Um, you know, she did say that in the, in the interview she did for E online, she said there is a potential that this could be career ending. We'll only know when I get out of surgery on Wednesday and when the bone heals, I'll find out if that's the case, but you know, there is a chance that it may be the end. They may be the end of the line for Nikki Bella. Of course, as the story develops, we'll definitely share it with you guys. Uh, Donnie says that Matt Hardy is the worst uh, he's especially the worst now that he is your TNA champion. So enjoy that, Mr. Anderson, because that's about as bad as it gets. Anyway, with that uh, with that bit of news about Nikki Bella, that is the last bit of wrestling news for the evening. Um, so with that said, let us wrap things up. I've given you my take on MMA and pro wrestling. I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out. Uh, we are on social media on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Rage underscore works. We are also on Snapchat as well. You just punch in RageWorks on Snapchat. We're trying to do more on that platform. If you're an Instagram user, you can look for RageWorks underscore rich and uh, keep up with all my crazy adventures on that platform. We are on Google Plus and Pinterest as well. Uh, archived episodes of this show, since it's an audio show only, will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, we will put a show with a stationary image on our YouTube channel, um, Official Rageworks, and My Take Radio TV. Uh, check in either one of those channels within 24 to 48 hours, and the show will be there as well. Last but not least, you can tune in live every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Wednesday nights for our MMA and wrestling show, Thursday nights for gaming and entertainment. I'm so glad to be back on air and giving you guys you know, some great content. As I mentioned at the start of the show, <clears throat> we're going to do uh, the two shows this week, and I will be attending a conference next week, but that's fine because it'll allow us to finish... Uh, our work on the studio and finally get the uh, broadband internet running effectively with some good high speed so we can give you guys 1080p or admit 720p and 1080p streaming video. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to obviously try and share as much of the studio as we can while it's in progress, but you're not, you guys aren't going to see the full product until we go live, uh, February, it's going to be February 10th and 11th. And we're also going to be f- covering Toy Fair that weekend as well. But if anything changes, of course, I will keep you guys posted. Thank you guys for joining us. You know, as always, apologies for the uh, technical difficulties we had at the beginning of the show. We should have everything resolved when we come back, uh, second week of February. But until then, feel free to enjoy some of the other shows from the Rageworks Network, including Black is the New Black, the regular season sports cast, and of course, the buried show as always feel free to reach out if you have any questions or concerns via email rich at rageworks.net i'm out of here guys thanks for listening hope you guys enjoyed the show and i will see you later peace